Hey, this is WWE Hall of Famer from the Legion of Doom Road Warrior Animal, and you are listening to the St. Louis Podcast Network. Get ready for a great show. Tell them, Hawk! One half of the Road Warriors and the Legion of Doom, the most successful tag team in the world of professional wrestling. He's held the AWA, NWA, WCW, and WWF titles. He snacked on danger and dined on death. He's Road Warrior Animal, Joe Laurinaitis, and this is the What A Rush Podcast. Now, here's your host, Joe Roderick. And welcome on in to another episode of the What A Rush Podcast. I am your host, Joe Roderick, joined alongside by the WWE Hall of Famer, Road Warrior Animal, Joe Laurinaitis. Joe, how are you today? Good, man. Good. How are you doing today? I'm doing fine. I am uh, excited for another episode. We have Al Snow coming up on the show in a uh, in a little bit. You, Al uh, Snow and Head. Head will be there, too. Okay. Head won't say much. Okay. But, you know. As long as knowing, just knowing that head will be present there is is enough for me. That's that that's all I need to know. You uh, you spent some time with him this weekend. You were in West Virginia, Madison, uh, West Virginia. Yeah, yeah. So, ASW man, it was a great show, bro. I've been telling you, I was pretty impressed. That place was sold out, and they were kicking butt. Uh, thank you again to the fans out there in Madison, West Virginia. I mean. Joe, I'm not kidding you, bro. I probably signed 500 autographs and took 500 photos. It was great. I, I love to stand there and be busy, man. So anybody that comes to my table at any autograph appearances, I love it when you come up there because I'd like, rather be busy than stand there with my thumb up my rear and doing nothing. And uh, Al Snow came. I saw, his, uh, I saw his beautiful wife, Jessica, and their son. Man, it was awesome. It was perfect. Uh, you know, she was a heck of a uh, competitive bodybuilder in her day, man. So it's a... It was really good to see Al, man. Al's one of the good quality guys in business. And, and another thing to hit on, though, Joe, is that Al Snow had a match with George South. George South, bro, has been in the business longer than I have. And they tore it down, man. George South put the claw on out. The claw. The claw of all things. It's a terrible move. The terrible move. Like, anybody believes you can squeeze the guy's brain with the claw, but, bro, they bought it. Al sold it right, and it was a great match, man. Two quality performers that went about 25 minutes long in their match, and it was great. So he uh, he when are you? I mean, has anybody talked to you about getting back in the ring? Do you have any interest in in a match? Every promoter in which you know my calendar. I mean, I'm full yeah. every weekend now, probably throughout until July. Right. Yeah. You're and off this weekend. You have a family thing at the end of March, yeah. but you truly do. I mean, <laughs> starting in April, you really have something every single weekend all over and, the country. And I love yeah. to be, I love to be busy. And every promoter that calls me wants me to get back in the ring. Now, anniversary <clears throat> show, you know, for the right price or tag, be a, do a six. Minute. I'm not saying I won't. And I like to, to dedicate my time to seeing the fans, BSing with the fans, taking photos and spike shoulder pads on for a photo. They like to reminisce, they like stories and everything else. So it, to me, that's cool because the wrestling fans really don't get to talk to the wrestlers very much. So is it is it a money thing? Is it a, as you mentioned, you know, has to be in the right situation with the right guy? Like you're not going to go in there with just some random territory or random indies 
top guy and just do a match. Is no, it, bro. It, so here, here's what the problem is. Listen, when you're in there at a top guy, you know there's a confidence there that he's going to be able to take care of your body. And, and I'm not saying nothing against the indie guys, but sometimes you go in there with a guy that we call green that doesn't know anything. I mean, you could really get hurt. Mm-hmm. You know, and not, not that I'm afraid of getting hurt because I'm not afraid of getting hurt. I, pre- pre- I can take care of myself, I'll tell you that. But I've seen guys that have been top stars like Ricky Steamboat and someone else go in the ring with somebody that's green and all of a sudden, bam, next thing you know, he can't lift his arm above his head. But, you know, I don't need more than that. I've already had 12 surgeries, I think 12 or 13 surgeries in my life, and I don't need any more. <clears throat> but I'm not, I'm not ruling it out, man, if he gets good guys together, you know. And, yes, my, my price is a little higher for doing that, of yeah. course. You know, I got I got to make it worth my while. But um, because, you know, if you, you start getting in the ring, the, the people's uh, crowds are going to start getting bigger at the events, you know. So we need to figure out the the right way to get you back in the ring and figure out a, a match for you to do in, in 2018 because – it is. I mean, 2018 is an anniversary for you. It's 35 years yeah, for you and uh, you and Hawk. It would have been 35 years if <clears throat> Hawk the dummy would still be alive today. And uh, but hey, the good thing is, man, wrestling fans don't forget. And now you got this whole new wave of wrestling mm-hmm. fans that are getting educated to what Hawk and I did. And and Joe, I, I will admit, and humbly, I will admit, when I go back on YouTube and I look at Hawk and I's videos. We were so freaking far ahead of our time. Not only what we were doing in a match, we were in a match with great guys, but physically, we're bigger than anybody that's out there today in the wrestling business. And we looked the part. We and we and you know, Hawk was chiseled at about two seventy. You know, and me, I look like McGill a gorilla with a male face, a human face. <laughs> you know, and yeah. it's crazy to look back and see that kind of stuff. I will, you know, I, I, I will admittedly, you know, I tend to, when I look back at history with you guys, I look at the stuff that I, when I started watching wrestling and, you know, the 96, 97 era, that's when I started watching it. And that's kind of what my default is when we, when we talk about stuff, when we go to certain episodes, but I really am looking forward to this. I, I like doing stuff and I, you know, I think you, you as well, I think the planning of these episodes on anniversaries of, of things. So uh, 88 was a big year for you guys. 87, 88 was a huge Huge. year for you guys. But at this point, you know, you look back 30 years, March of 88, Crockett wasn't doing, you know, you guys were doing house shows. You guys were, you you know, you guys weren't televised and weekly stuff to where we can go back and watch stuff on the network. But come July, come July, we are going to have so much shit to talk about when with what you guys were doing with the Great American Bash. And well, I think you, Joe, if you go back, I think you have to Google when you go on the network the NWA yeah. because Jim Crockett Promotions in the NWA and actually it was Georgia Championship or WCW back then at the very beginning. <clears throat> we were on WTBS, mm-hmm. so it wasn't like we weren't on TV. We were on TBS. WWF was on USA Network. Both at that time were with a point two of each other in ratings okay so it didn't matter to us we had the world seeing us for crap eight years already on tbs and then all we did when we went to wwf is switch to usa network you know so you had two different types of wrestling i mean wwf was more entertainment wise and the nwa was more Oh man, you want to say a little bit more amateurish, right? You know, <clears throat> wrestling and for amateur backgrounds and stuff. So we, we, it's we were seeing, we were, we were on there, and you know, and and, and the pay per views that were done back then were the bunkhouse stampedes and the Great American mm-hmm. Bashes and 
all the war games and, you know, Temple of Doom and all that stuff was already in place. Yeah, and uh, what was the uh, oh god? The t- what was the, the the cage on top of the cage on top That's of the cage? That of was Doom. the Temple of Doom. Temple of Doom, yeah, which was a misery. That was, it was Dusty, miserable. right? That was Dusty that, that created was that. Kevin Sullivan and Dusty, but it was miserable because I got to tell you, it was about a freaking ten foot drop from cage to cage, <laughs> and if you weren't careful, you blow out your knees because there were there's crisscrossing of bars everywhere, and the paint wasn't dried. So they play, they spray painted. They should have just left it silver. They tried spray painting it black for aesthetically purposes for TV. Right. Well, we were all covered in black spray paint at the end of the match. I want to, uh, you know, and that's all stuff we will get to, but I do want to quickly go back and touch on the LOD 2000 episode. It's amazing some of the feedback that we got. The amount of people that did enjoy that time because it was a new look Legion of Doom. But if you go back and you listen to it, you do touch on some of the reasons why it didn't work. And I would imagine throughout most of at least this year, we'll talk a little more about that. I saw you posted pictures of you and Draws the other day. Yeah, man. Someone sent me a picture of Draws and I. You know, the only thing I got out of the picture is that my freaking arm at the time looked like Draz's chest. <laughs> I mean, I, I got to admit, if you look back at that picture, I started laughing. I said, holy crap, that's back when my arm was a 24-inch around arm because we measured them there with the WWE at the time or WWF, and it was crazy, man. I just it, it was Listen, it was a good time in wrestling. Draz was so at his infantile stage back then, mm-hmm. man. He was so green. You know, right out of the NFL through camp, and then he came right to uh, to wrestling there for WWF. And, uh, man, he he had a bright future, man. I, I really was upset when he got hurt and he got injured because uh, I think Draz still today would be one of the top performers in wrestling. So also, uh, so coming off of that, again, you could go back in the archives, a good LOD 2000 episode from last week. We were talking about the, uh, you know, we, we talked about, how you guys were ahead of your time. And I, I also would imagine that, you know, we did the Facebook live before Fastlane, which I got it. Okay. I'm just, this is, this is me talking to the listeners out there. I want to do a podcast with guys like Brian last who did co-host with Cornette. I want to do one, an episode with Conrad Thompson who hosts with Bruce Pritchard about what it's like dealing with these old school wrestling guys, teaching them new technology. I, <laughs> <laughs> I, I really You don't have to teach me new technology because you and Corey, Corey Iskett, the lawyer, he takes care they guys take care of it all. So I really don't touch listen. But having to get the Facebook live with you and invite you on to that. Oh bro, with, that was what, brutal. That was brutal. <laughs> and actually when I figured it out, I, I started laughing because I said this is actually pretty simple. Right. <laughs> yeah, you know. It was just like when I I had well, no idea you could click on the thing that says live in your Facebook column and it would it, Yeah, you be would careful show up. with that, okay? Be careful with when you when you do that and how often you do that. All right. Oh, don't worry. I'm not going to do. it. Okay. Just. But I think though, I think it'd be a good idea for though. We need to pick. We one will. Day a week, yeah. We absolutely one will. One day out of the week, where we do a Facebook live just to be able to get the fans. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of times fans are are busy with the work schedules throughout the whole week, and you can go back people, and watch those at any time. Exactly, and people can't get away to listen to something. But hey, if we get somebody that can listen to it on their way home or mm-hmm. from work or whatever. I think yeah. it's a good idea. I think we're gonna do uh, we're gonna do some more of those definitely during WrestleCon. We'll go and we'll do the Facebook lives. We'll probably record or maybe go live with some of our interviews that we'll record during the week of WrestleMania. I, well, I we would should like, do one during the autograph signing. That's what I'm saying. We'll go live At during TMR that promotions. We'll be yeah. sitting there. You can put me on 
But yeah. that, uh, easy for me to say. Absolutely. See, when you get in the mouth a few times, sometimes your teeth are all scrambled up. I'm just going to walk around. I think one day, I think Kim and I should just walk around and uh, do some running commentary on that and find her thoughts, get her thoughts on some of the people that are out there on WrestleCon. Bro, you can go from table to table to table yep. and say, hey, man, I'm on Road to Air and it's Facebook Live. Say hello yep. to everybody out there in, in Facebook land. And bam, and guys will make a comment. All you need is one comment from everybody, yeah. and, and it's a success. I'll be, uh, and I'll, I'll also, I should be at WrestleMania Access as well during that week, so I could probably go around and do something with that too. So we'll have a lot of fun doing Good that. Look, but- bro, if you do that and you see my brother, get him on there. Okay. Glad, yes, gladly. If you get my brother, get him on there and get his wife, Kathy, and you never know, man. If the Bellas may be hanging around in, in, the, in the rafters there. You can grab yes, them too. I will do that. Now, now I have a goal for WrestleMania week, and that is to talk to, talk to Johnny Ace and get his thought to have him leave some comments about yeah, you. I now have a bro, goal. If anything else, a plus, you get to run into Nikki and Bree, and that's a, that's a win-win anyway. I've talked to them. I've, I've, I've actually met them both before. Them and yeah. Mick Foley at the same time oh, did an interview. How, Talk I, about different personalities. Right. Yeah, yeah. That's one extreme to the other. I know. Foley's another one, too. We're going to have one on the show, man. I already yeah. talked to Mick Foley oh, about sweet. that. And Mick's a great guy. And, uh, you know, his, you know his, uh, his, his wife was a great um, aerobic constructor and a, and a fitness competitor, too, man. So, so the uh, so I, I mentioned you know, we did the we did the pre-show on Facebook Live. We'll do that more. You go to the Facebook, uh, follow the Water Rush podcast with Road Warrior Animal Joe Laurinaitis. Find that page and give it a follow, give it a like, so you can catch more of our Facebook lives that we plan to do in the future. But we talked fast lane, and we knew AJ. We, we had a feeling AJ was going to win. There really weren't any surprises during that. But I I would have to imagine that you really enjoyed the beatdown that the Bludgeon Brothers gave oh, to the bro. Usos and I was to the sitting, New Day. I was sitting there thinking, now, and do I do I like the big mallet thing? Eh, I sitting there looking at it. But, bro, the push that they are giving those two guys is freaking awesome. That is old school Get out of my way. We're going to kick your ass butt kicking. That's what you need in a heel tag team. You have to have that. And I like the little seed they plant too by having Nakamura come in and, and help help AJ out. That was pretty cool last night on SmackDown. Oh, you're talking, yeah, with, uh, well, yeah, yeah, with Rusev and... Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, man. They, well, they totally beat the crap out of Rusev yeah. and uh, who else was his partner? Um, Adrian, Aiden English. Yeah, Aiden English. You know, Aiden yeah. English got freaking laid out immediately. But but then then Nakamura comes in and helps him out, which was awesome. But uh, but the Bludgeon Brothers, my lord, man, they beat the crap out of them, yeah. which is great. That that's what you need. You need to have two badass heels. Although even though Luke Harper looks like he lost quite a bit of weight, the, I think you know, and a lot he of that too. Great, I think it has to do with the change in what they're wearing. Bro, I think no, you, you look I, because at him, his arms used... are a lot smaller. If you look at him that okay, way, I didn't notice oh, that, yeah, but at, I did notice. And look at the gut; it's smaller. But on hindsight, here's the great thing about that, Joe. It works out better with a team to have a faster guy, in perception wise, mm-hmm. I'm saying, and then a monster guy, and that's yeah. why it worked out great with Hawk and I. Everybody, even though Hawk and I were very similar in statue. I was 25, 30 pounds heavier than Hawk all the time. Mm-hmm. So I was a bigger guy. So I did a lot more of the power crap. Right. And Hawk did a lot more <laughs> running around, flying around. And it worked out great because you can't have everybody doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, yeah, and that's you know that that I, I was watching that and I was thinking these guys are are beating the shit out of these it's five great. guys just the same way that Joe and Hawk used to do that oh, yeah, back man. in the day. They beat and the crap yes. out of freaking New Day and five guys oh, and the Usos. Five guys yeah, left lane. it was it was awesome to see. It was great, to and see they did that different happen. things too. With each guy, it wasn't Even just last night. Yeah. On SmackDown, they did the same thing. Yeah. So it was it was awesome to see. At least every show, they're being consistent. If they don't beat somebody in 25 seconds, they're beating them at the end of the match. You'll uh, you'll also see, uh, you mentioned Rusev. I, I, I just want to say that our new, uh, we're going to be putting those, uh, our new shirts out. You see the logo if you are on Twitter. What a rush on, day. I love uh, it. You, you, <laughs> see the, you see the logo on, uh, on Facebook and Twitter when we, uh, when we posted these articles. But it's not Happy Rusev Day. It's What a Rush Podcast Day. And we're going to get those T-shirts day. out to. Uh, I love it. We're going to get those, pod- or those T-shirts out as a uh, Bro, they got to put Thursday on there. Friday, Friday. We we've changed. It. Oh, we yeah, we drop it Friday fri- morning. Yes. We drop it Friday. What a yeah, what a rush it. day, Friday. Yeah. So we uh, Is pro wrestling tees going to make those. We are going to yeah. We're awesome, going to have man, we're going to awesome. pro wrestling tees put those out along with the other two shirts that we have. I will actually be up at pro wrestling tees. I get to see the place. You'll like this that, uh, this Saturday. Awesome, Looking you, forward you, to you, uh, they can't to keep that. our crap in stock in there, which is it's awesome. A good thing. That's awesome. I wanted to get, before we we move on um, to everything else that we have to get to, your thoughts on what's going on with the Raw tag team, uh, uh, I guess, championship match at WrestleMania, because right now it looks like they they are going to have Braun Strowman go up against the bar in a handicap match as Braun Strowman went in and beat the crap out of all, what, five or six tag teams in the Battle Royal to make himself the number one contender for the tag team What he's going to do probably is grab somebody that's totally unexpected and say, listen, I need you to be my tag team partner, and that guy's never going to go in the ring. Or at least not on purpose. Yeah, he, he's never going to go. If they did it right, he, they would never go ring because they're going to throw some stipulation in there. It's a tag team title match. You have to have two against two. You watch. They're going to throw some screwy wrench in it. But to be quite honest with you, Strowman should beat both of them. I hate to say it. How? Okay. Given and we're, we're looking ahead, I know that we're, we're thinking, say, say we get pushing. to WrestleMania and say Braun Strowman on his own beats Cesaro and Sheamus. Two guys. Sheamus has been a world champion. Cesaro's been, I would, he's been the U.S. champion before. They've both had titles, individual titles. They've been tag team champions before. If you have Braun Strowman beat both of them, he's already beaten the other five tag teams, thrown them all over the top rope. How do you get the belt off of Braun Strowman? How do you make Cesaro and Sheamus look strong if one guy is able to beat them? Listen, not taking away from either Sheamus or Cesaro, both great talents, okay? Sheamus is a better singles wrestler than he is a tag wrestler, all right? He's better on having, like, the international belt. So when you go to places like Ireland and stuff, he could defend it over in Ireland and say, I'm an international champion. Bam, intercontinental. Yeah. Or intercontinental. Yeah. intercontinental. <clears throat> Cesaro, although a great wrestler, it, there's not much marketability with Cesaro unless you're from Switzerland, okay? Whereas I think that's where he's from, in Switzerland, right? Yeah, he's so, just a good, sound wrestler. He's just a great, sound wrestler. So he's always going to be... There's a spot for him in the wrestling business forever in the middle of the card range to be that great sound wrestler to help get guys over and to give them a win every now and then, right? So in that aspect, I, I would split them up after this, to be quite honest with you. And uh, but but 
Strowman, if they want Strowman to be anywhere in the frame of mind or conversation with a Hulk Hogan or an Andre the Giant or an Undertaker, they're going to have to have him do this kind of things for a while. He's going to have to beat two quality guys. He's going to have to destroy five guys. He's going to have to do this because everybody that has been what you call the man has done this kind of stuff. And I think they see the future down the line. It may not be right now, but two, three years from now, he may be that man that is selling out arenas all over the world just with his name being put on it. You know, and maybe that's where they want to go with the guy. You know, you never know. I I don't know. Listen, you don't know what's in their freaking minds, man. It changes every day, like the wind. They'll have the show all booked out, and Vince will get in the meeting room. And he goes, "Up, oh, change show, change it all." Right. You know, so it changes by minute. So, but that that's the way I would continue on doing it. And then you know, listen, you can give Cesaro and Shambich each wins with minor titles and still keep their popularity and still keep their worth in the company. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other thing that was mentioned on Monday Night Raw and then also promoted on SmackDown, we've had for the last three years now, four years actually, started at WrestleMania 30, so they've had it at thir- uh, they've had it for four years now, was the Andre the Giant Memorial uh, Battle Royal. So in uh, keeping up with the women's revolution that they're having, giving them a, you know, the Elimination Chamber match, giving them the Royal Rumble, having them main event, Raws, multiple Raws, and SmackDown, they are now having the Fabulous Moolah Memorial Battle Royal. And this, over the past several years, some of the skeletons in Moolah's closet have come to light. And that was very evident when the WWE tweeted this out the other day, that they were having that. I believe it was something along the lines of... I want to say 800 replies to their tweet about the about the fabulous Mula Battle Royal. Almost all of them very negative towards having this, and it almost seemed like back at last summer when they had the May Young tournament that it was the May Young tournament because they didn't want to name something after Mula. Now they're naming something after Mula, and there are a lot of reports out there about the way that she t- treated female wrestlers got them jobs, took their money, might have influenced them in other ways. And there was a lot of negative light about her. But talking to you before the show, this was a very well-kept secret, I guess, around the wrestling uh, business. I had no idea what was going on. You know, here's the thing. Early years in the wrestling business, there was a lot of really strange things that went on. I mean, we've dealt with that. I've had guys that run wrestling schools that I know in Alabama that just take money from people and they don't really teach them anything. Then you throw them in the ring with guys like Hawk and I and we eat them up and kill them and then they don't ever want to wrestle again, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Man, Joe, my my view on it is, listen, it's easy to beat somebody up and rip on them and tear them down and write. Now that you have things you could write on Facebook and all these Twitter pages and everything, when they're not around to defend themselves. Do you know what I'm saying? Right. Or they, or they don't want to defend themselves. And listen, there's not... Well, a if they per- don't want to defend themselves, there might be a little more issue there if they're not, yeah, ex- not going to step I, up I know, and defend but, but themselves. Man, but listen, I know what you're saying about Mula not being here. There's yes. not one listener, and there's not one wrestler, and there's not one fan that hasn't done something in their day 
that they do not regret doing, right? So <clears throat> if you're going to bring up stuff that happened 50 years ago, which pretty much is when it happened, because e- even 45 years ago, you know. You're getting into a little slippery slope, though, come, you know, 30, 40 years from now when you look back at some terrible things that have happened in the last decade. I'm just saying yeah, that you, but, I but, think, but, you know. But, and, but yeah. I'm saying but if you're going to go back and look at that stuff, how, how is that warranted? Why are you waiting till now to say anything? Why are you waiting to speak up now? Just because somebody who has worked their rear end off in the wrestling business, which is an all male dominant position in wrestling, listen, I'm not condoning anything that Moolah did. Don't get me wrong. As a matter of fact, I'd rather condemn it. But you never heard about it. That's I, I mean, never you never you no, never heard man, about never any heard of this about going it. on. So, so what's the validity and, to it? How are you going to yeah. prove it? You can't prove it. It's a he said, she said. So you can't prove it unless you're going to get all these guys that come out of the woodwork and say, which I doubt they're going to say, yeah. I paid money to, to to screw who and who. Moolah set it up. I mean, no guy's going to say that in a wrestling business. You know, you may have some of the girls that were prostituted like that right. say, speak up and say it. But I see. I think we talked about it before. Yep. Some have right, and uh, and if it did happen, man, it's it's a shame and it's horrible. It's absolutely horrendous. I'm not, like I said, I'm not condoning in any way. And if it did, you know, Moolah should be ashamed of herself of doing that and taking advantage of young, naive young girls in the wrestling business and put them through any of those kind of things. But I, Joe, I just think if I if something like that, people that were my friends like like Sherry Martell and girls like that, I would have heard something, man. I, I think I would have heard something about that in the wrestling business because none of the girls that I knew that wrestled. They would have told her to go screw herself being asked to do anything like that. It's, you know, I think that you look at some of the other, was she as, you know, the WWE touts her as being a pioneer to the wrestle, to women of wrestling. But when you look at some of the other options, you mentioned Sherry Martell, that probably should get a, a turn, get something named after her in the oh, wrestling yeah. business. What about, the yeah. show, what about Wendy Richter? Well, what that's, about, yeah. You know, even we were talking before the show, right? We were, and that's what I was going to get to the next Hall of, Fame, the Hall of Fame. The Hall of Fame. Where in the hell is Cindy Lopper's induction into the Hall of Fame for the Celebrity Wing? Are you kidding me? <clears throat> Back when women were dead in the wrestling business, Cindy Lopper and the angle she had with Wendy Richter, not only against her, but with her, everything else, it's helped skyrocket the WWF. There were coloring books. Crayon packages, bed sheets, everything, cartoons, everything made that she was involved in it because that was involved with Piper and all those guys back then, Captain Lou Albano, everybody who was a top star. Cindy Lauper was right up there, and she's still popular today in the music world. Why do you not have her in there after all the time she spent helping build your company? I, I just don't understand it. That's uh, so you're mentioning, you know, Kid Rock getting into the uh, celebrity wing of the Hall of Fame. He's been around. He's uh, performed a lot of music for the WWE over the years. Have you ever met Kid Rock? Oh, yeah. And, but that, and that's why he's done it. Yeah. That's why he's going in. But it's it, but that's what I'm saying, man. If this is a true Hall of Fame, <clears throat> why it's put, not? It's, it's why yeah. put somebody in that's still presently doing something? That's what pissed me off, to be quite honest with you. When they put guys like Sting in the Hall of Fame right after he wrestled in WrestleMania, 
Are you freaking kidding me? What about all the single wrestlers out there that wrestle main events that haven't even been put in yet that were before me? Mm-hmm. There's a ton of them, you know, and that, that should be in there. Not that Sting doesn't deserve to be in there, but right away while he's still alive and still going, heck, they made Hawk and I wait 12 years. Mm-hmm. And we're the top team ever in the history of professional wrestling. You know, so it's 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 really kind of weird the way they do things, man. It's just it's strange. Listen, now I'm not saying that Kid Rock doesn't deserve to get in there someday. Absolutely, he does. But when you look back on it, you, you got to. This is about going back in time, man, and reliving great history. And that's what the Hall of Fame is supposed to be all about. Look at the NFL. You can't go in anything in the NFL. What is it going to be? Five years. Right, and, and five yeah, years. Yeah. You're you're treating this like it's an actual. You know, you're treating this like it's something that's. You know, if it was just uh, if it was just Roger Goodell that got to decide who went into the NFL Hall of Fame, it'd be a lot different. I mean, you're look, you're yeah, talking but, about but, this but, like it's not just Vince. No, no, whoever but, but, Vince but, wants but, to put in that day, he puts in. Yeah, but here here's the whole thing with it. Here's the whole thing with it, Joe. The NFL is that you're recognized by a board of your peers and you're voted on it. Right. Same same happens with the two top Hall of Fames with pro wrestling. I mean, Vince ultimately makes, makes the final decision, but it's still you're getting a recognition from the guy who runs the business that you worked for. And, uh, you know, and like the, the other pro wrestling Hall of Fame, like the Pro Wrestler Hall of Fame, that's different because you got a guy like J.J. Dillon that's on the board. He runs right. the Hall of Fame. You get voted in by guys like Terry and Dory Funk and the Briscoes and guys like that who, who have paved the way for a lot of guys in the wrestling business. And that, to me, means more. You know, it's more of a, I call it a shoot Hall of Fame. But yeah, you can't, you can't compare them to other sports hall of fames at all. I right. mean, it's, it's not. You know, it, it should be sports slash entertainment hall of fame is what it should be. Uh, hopefully, we uh, can uh, talk to one of the members that's being inducted into the hall of fame uh, on uh, either uh, next week's show or the following, and we'll uh, we'll go over all of the uh, the folks that are going into the WWE Hall of Fame this year down in New Orleans. But uh, before we get to that, we have a mailbag question coming up before we get to Al Snow. I do want to promote again uh, that you will be at WrestleCon for 11 hours. 11 hours of WrestleCon for Road Warrior Animal. If you have not gotten your tickets yet, make sure to go and do so online. Go to the WrestleCon website. He is there on behalf of T-Mart. Uh, is it T-Mart and or, or promotions? T-Mart promotions. T-Mart yep. promotions. You will be there Friday from 11 a.m. to 3 p.m., Saturday from 9 a.m. to noon, and Sunday from 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. So you have plenty of time to go there. If you are going to WrestleMania, if you are going there for the whole weekend or just for Sunday, you have a chance to go and get an autograph and get your picture taken with the Hall of Famer Road Warrior Animal down in New Orleans at WrestleCon. It's at the Sheridan in New Orleans. So uh, make sure that you uh, head down there. Uh, when you're down there, you uh, you come by I uh, and stop by and see us and uh, let us know what you think of the, uh, of the podcast as well. We will have our special... WrestleMania shirts uh, there for the uh, for the podcast ones you can only get at WrestleCon. What yeah. a rush day! Well, uh, I don't. I, we're not. I don't know if we'll have those. We'll we have. We should uh, have some of those. Well, uh, we haven't gotten them printed yet, Joe. And I'm. Yeah, but it's one hour tease. You you Come get on, that Joe. done. You get that done. Then <laughs> I'll get, we'll I, do I that. Bet you I have one by next week. <laughs> Okay, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing that happen. Our mailbag question this week, and I, I promise you everybody out there that has sent questions in, that has tweeted questions in 
to us, uh, Facebook, anywhere, I am going to start doing a hell of a lot better of job getting at least one of these questions on the podcast each and every week. We are here in St. Louis, Joe, uh, doing this podcast each and every week. Dave wants to know if you have ever wrestled at Chase Park Plaza and if you have any epic stories from Chase Park Plaza. Where's Chase Park Plaza? You're not wrestling at the Chase? Oh, right. oh yes, you were yes. Oh, in heck St. Yeah. Louis, not in oh, Kansas oh, yeah, City. Yeah, yeah. Heck yeah. Yes, you live you know, damn wrestled, near in Kansas uh, City. I know, but no, at wrestling at the Chase, Joe. I wrestled. Good lord! But I've only been there one time. Hey, listen, man, I don't give a crap if I can remember a building. I've, how many buildings I've been in? It was legendary. Yeah, you legendary? remember the first time? Well, yeah, you I'm legendary. The... Try remembering the buildings in just one year. I wrestled in 325 different buildings. You remember your first time at Madison Square Garden? Yeah, but that's the then garden. damn it, you should remember their oh, first time at the wrestling chase. at the chase. Bro, what was hello, your first time hello, at wrestling McFly, at the chase? Fly, wake up, Joe. That ain't the chase. When was your first time wrestling at the chase? God, man, it's got to, it's in the 80s, early 80s for uh, Pat O'Connor. Pat O'Connor and Harley Race were running the, the building down at the chase, and Hawk and I came in there. I think we only worked there one time at the chase, but that's got it's got a lot of great wrestling history and a reputation. Good Lord, what's Chase Park Plaza? My goodness, you're going you're gonna to end up pissing off a lot of uh, local St. Louis folks with that comment when they, when they hear you say that. Well, uh, listen, well, you know what? I'm going to blame, listen, listen, I'm gonna blame it, it on the it, time if that... If you uh, would have just said, hey, have you wrestled in the chase, but you said it like you're talking... I'm reading the question from today. I'm reading the question as it was emailed. Phonetically correct. Have you wrestled from the Chase Park Plaza? And I'm thinking, what are you talking about, a freaking mall? No, I didn't wrestle in the mall. No, if you said, hey, Joe, did you wrestle the chase? I would say, oh, yeah, the chase? Heck yeah. I'm looking at God, Jesus. All right. <laughs> we, got, uh, we got Al Snow coming up on the other side. We are going to uh, chat with him uh, about uh, his current, uh, current career in working in the Indies, training a bunch of guys, and we'll get to that after this. This is Andy Hanselman, president of the St. Louis Podcast Network. How would you like to be part of the What a Rush podcast? Sponsorship opportunities are now available and more affordable than you would imagine. Wrestling podcasts are the hottest thing going in the podcast world right now. Some being listened to by hundreds of thousands of wrestling fans just like yourself. If you would like to get in on the ground floor of the What a Rush podcast hosted by Road Warrior Animal, please contact Joe Roderick at roadwarriorpodcast at gmail.com. Have a WWE Hall of Famer promote your product to other loyal wrestling fans and see what these guys can do for you. And welcome back. We uh, head out to the phone lines now, and we welcome in our guest this week on the Water Rush podcast. He is Al Snow joining us now. Al, what's going on, man? Hi, guys. Thank you very much for having me on. <clears throat> Al, how you doing, man? I was telling Joe here, my co-host, uh, you know, and uh, I was telling him how our, our last experience here that we worked together or worked together I was with you in Madison, West Virginia, and we were talking about your match with George South, and I told Joe that the house was torn down. You and George freaking <laughs> killed it, and I said the highlight for me is when he popped the claw on you. <laughs> yeah, and it yeah. was awesome, man. It was so old school way. It just goes to show you, you don't need fifty thousand moves to kill a match in wrestling, man. It was awesome, bro. I tell, and, and, and oh, you know what? You. It's it's a testament to both you guys. You know, and you got over twenty years of experience in the wrestling business. You get it's just no substitute for ring knowledge at all. Oh, and, and you know, and I don't need to tell you. You know, uh, Joe, that uh, 
you get in there with a guy like George South, and I mean, what it, it's such a world of difference. I mean, uh, to, to actually get in there and, and move with someone who moves with you and is thinking and, you know, and thinking for you and you're thinking for him and you, you know, you, it just normally anymore these days, even with the, the young guys, they're more athletic and they're more uh, physically gifted, but you kind of got to get in there and just kind of move around them. You know, you got to either that or you got to try to power through them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. It, it, it's, it's like you say, and people don't realize, you know, what a dance it really is, you know, and you, yeah. you're in there with somebody with equal knowledge or, or on the same level, and you're right. It's it's like, it's it's a give and take. There's such a, a – I was telling Joe here earlier, there's a un, unspoken trust that mm-hmm. you know that his livelihood depends on protecting your livelihood and vice versa, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it, it was it was so much fun. It really was, and and what a you know it was a really good house there. You know, was, oh uh, yeah, man. I think George said it was sold out. It was awesome, yeah. man. Yeah, for a small and a show. great building. Yeah, great hey, building, what, great atmosphere. What a busy weekend you had though. Oh yeah, from yeah. Lexington, Lexington, Kentucky to Madison, West Virginia, to back to Lexington. Yeah, yeah, and Friday night I had, uh, went and worked a little independent show um, in Kentucky. That was about a about a two hour ride away from Lexington. So I was at the Comic-Con in Lexington um, Friday during the day. And then Friday evening went to the show, came back past Lexington to Louisville to to go home and turn around, went back to Lexington (laughs) in the morning, then went to Madison and then got up the next morning and went right back to Lexington to the, uh, to the Comic-Con again. You know, you hear a lot of professional athletes that when they retire, they, you know, they get out of shape or they're antsy because they don't have practice to go to or anything. You, you were on the road so much. And when you were younger, you know, 10 to 20, 15 years ago, but is that, you know, kind of like it now, if you're at home, you know, what are you doing today? Are you, are you itching to get out somewhere or what, what are you up oh, to? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I'm sure, uh, Joe will tell you too, that it, it, you get so on the road, uh, used to it that, um, you know, you get home and you enjoy being home, but then as soon as you get home, you're, you know, a couple of days and you're itching going, okay, what do I got to do? What do I, you know, I need to, need to be moving. I need to be doing, I need to be going, you know? Yeah. Hawk and I used to call it the on the road mode. Yeah. You know, yeah. you know, and, and I was telling uh, my co-host Joe Roderick here, Al, Yeah. two guys that have impressed me more after they've been in the wrestling business for 20, 25 years, and the two guys were, one is Billy Gunn, and two mm-hmm. is yourself. I told, oh, Joe, I told Joe, I said, man, those are the two guys. You got, you got to figure this out, man. I don't know how old you are, but Billy's 52. Yeah. That two guys that look better now today than they did when they were wrestling full-time. And I think it has to do with, A, quality of life, be able to go home and relax, recuperate, more because back in yesteryear we weren't allowed to do that i mean you're on the road 300 320 days a year there's no way you can recuperate so your body's beat the crap unless you want to take everything in the world to recover back then you know which i hate to say a lot of us did (laughs) you know (laughs) but it was a means of survival though back then yeah it was a means of survival if you didn't do it you couldn't survive and you were just getting passed up and there was always somebody waiting in the wings to come in and jump in your shoes but yeah man yourself and billy gunn it's just amazing, and it's a compliment to your dedication and your lifestyle, and and your spouses 
on oh. what you're doing uh, physically, man. It, it, you guys both look great. Well, thanks. I, you know, Billy's a machine. I mean, he's. I, I don't think people realize just how big a human being Billy Gunn is. Bro, I mean, Billy is very deceptive. Yeah. How would is. you have liked to have been that horse that Billy used to ride in those freaking bunkhouse rides when he was a cowboy? I oh, mean, I Billy was a competition rider. <laughs> well, he, yeah, was bigger he, was. Than, he was bigger than the horse. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he legitimately is. And uh, you know, that's a compliment coming from you. I mean, you... You know, you were you were incredible. I mean, you still are. You're in great shape too. And you know, um, you know, I owe a lot of it. You know, to my wife. You know, she's a competitive bodybuilder, and that helps tremendously. Especially, you know, she's forcing me to diet, which is a, a fight all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, bro. Um, I was sitting there, and I, I it was great. This, I was good. Glad you hit on this. I had the pleasure of being able to sit there with your wife for about half hour, 45 minutes and talk to her. Mm -hmm. What a great person all the way around, bro. You, I mean, like my wife, she is just a people person. She's great. She's easy to talk to. Very, very easy girl. You know, I'm sitting there talking to her and bro, she pulled out her phone and she showed, I had no idea that girl was jacked. She was what a physique that she had, man. And yeah. you could tell that all her, and you could tell that's really her love. And you could tell, and she still oh. has that base that she could tell, wow, this is one powerful chick, you know? Yeah, and, she's she's strong too. I mean, oh, you know, I we believe were, it. Man. We were at the gym the other night and she was deadlifting and stuff. And I was like, well, you know what? I'm just going to go over here. You know, <laughs> yeah, go, go hide <laughs> behind the leg press or something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. And, and she's good. So I, I know that has it's a good compliment. Man, it's so great to have someone with the great same lifestyles in the same house. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, and one of the things that really, I try to tell people all the time, but one of the things that really made a big difference for me, and I, I know you're, you know, you've, you know, you know, I started training like, like the old time guys do, you know, the old, old, you know, and I'm, when I mean old time, I mean like late 1800s, early 1900s, the wrestlers back in that day and, and the, the strong men. Oh, started yeah. like those guys, you know, and, um, I made such a huge difference. Plus I enjoy going and working out now more. Oh, you know? Sure. Well, you know, back in those days, guys weren't doing 25, 30 reps and they all looked good. They were all big yeah. and you, you, your, your muscles, I think your muscles, the only way you're going to grow is to tear down that muscle tissue. And sometimes you cannot do that with lightweight. You got to go a little heavier. And sometimes when you do five, six reps, you're going to get more out of it than doing 25. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mike Mentzer, you know, big bodybuilder. Oh, sure, the, yeah. You know, you know Mike Mentzer, Mike and, and, and uh, his brother Frank. I mean, they yeah. that was their whole, you know, mantra was, you know, to train intensely, go in and and. and you know, hit as heavy and as hard as possible, uh, you know, the movements and then get out. You know, it wasn't a matter of doing 10 reps and staying in there, you know, yeah. for most of the day. It was, you know, you were in and out of the. You know, I, I remember the first book my mother bought me when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. The Education of a Bodybuilder by Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah, was probably the only book in high school I read front to back. <laughs> Out of all my <laughs> all, all my English lit classes, that was the only book I read. Right, yeah. but a lot of the stories were in there about Arnold and Franco and Mike Menser and his brother and the Grinkowski brothers, and they all mm-hmm. trained the same. Dave Draper, they all trained yeah. the same way, 
and they all were big. Lou Ferrigno even back then, they all were big, massive guys. And not that that's the way that anyone wants to get, but as far as getting that quality muscle, and those are the principles, to be quite honest with you, that myself, guys like myself and Barry Darcel and Nikita Koloff and, yeah. and uh, you, you know, guy, uh, guys like us, we that's what we learned on. And, you know, Hawk and... And, you know, a lot of the, uh, Nora, the berserker, we all learned to train on those principles as well. There was, old, it was the old Arnold method, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and uh, that was, you know, the guys did more compound movements uh, back then, you know, which really is the, the key to putting on any kind of real size and strength is, is those compound movements make all the difference. You know, you look at uh, some of the, the just the various sizes of some of the top guys in the in the company now in the business now, and you you train a lot of these younger guys as well. Is there mm-hmm. is there a right way to go about training, or is it just is, is it still all about the it factor? Um, I mean, you mean weight training or just yeah mean... the the way you know the the way they they go about the training. You know, you see a guy. You know, just take for example how ripped somebody like Finn Balor is compared to the yeah. size of somebody like Braun Strowman. I mean, two very well, different sizes, but two guys that are extremely over. It's you know mm-hmm. such a difference between those two physiques. Yeah, I I really I think it it just comes down to and, it, and this is the most important. You know, it's become a really aesthetically uh, and cosmetic business, much more so than it, it was in the past. Um, but I think it, you know, you, I, I tell guys all the time, you don't have to look like, and this will this will be dating me, but you don't have to look like Charles Atlas, you know, you don't have to, or Arnold Schwarzenegger, you know, you do, you you don't have to necessarily look like a bodybuilder, but you do have to be able to allow an audience to believe that when they come to see you, that you make your living in a, a competitive, uh, athletic. Uh, fighting situation you know you can't go out there and and you know look like you just had a litter of pups or you know know, or you've got to look like you're able to you know uh fight competitively because you're 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 you know the the thing that that an audience wants to believe in is that you're you're uh you're a prize fighter that you're no different than a boxer or an mma fighter uh it's just you know you wrestle, and because and, I tell guys all the time, the only thing that's fake about professional wrestling, because it's the big, the biggest myth about professional wrestling, is, is that everybody goes, "Oh, it's that's fake." Meaning, you know, what we do physically in the ring is not real. When everything, uh, I'm sure Animal Joe would tell you, everything that we do in the ring is quite, quite real. Oh, Alan, you can ask Joe, my co-host. He took a yeah. bump for the first time and hit the ropes for the first time. Yeah. yeah, yeah, sore for about a week. Yeah, we were yeah. up at uh, when we were up at the Super Bowl a few uh, mm-hmm. few weeks ago. We uh, stopped Ken, by Ken's, Ken Anderson's camp, Academy, and yeah. I I got in the ring, and Ken taught me how to take a bump, and yeah. I, I went and ran against the ropes. And damn it, if those bumps didn't uh, didn't have my yeah. back and shoulders sore for about two three days afterwards. Oh, it hurt. I mean, but it's the intent behind what we do. You know, that's what we're we're quote-unquote, selling to the audience, and, and that's what they're wanting to believe in. And you've got to look the part. You know, you've got to, you got to, you know, uh, look like, you know, and allow these people to believe that, you know, you could actually get in there and, and 
win, beat somebody, you actually know, out-wrestle. Joe and I have talked about this, and I, I've pointed mm-hmm. this out to him a bunch of times. You know, uh-huh. there's been a lot of great guys, big guys. Look mm-hmm. at the Ted Arcides and Bill Kazmaier's. Yeah. Right, huge guys. But yeah. no charisma whatsoever. None. You could be a mountain and not have people believe in you if you don't have that charisma. And I do believe it's a little bit of that it factor that you can talk, you can have charisma, what you do looks great, and you have a good physique. You know, whether you're big or small, you'll get overlooked if you don't have that charisma factor with it. Yeah. I mean, don't you think? I mean, you got to have, you got to have that intangible that not yeah. everybody has to to make it in this wrestling business. And I think one oh, of the, I agree. you know, and it, we were talking about the ropes. I think one thing that probably that's missing just a little bit today in the wrestling business, and it was great to see in the match with you and George, by the way, is nobody uses the ropes as a weapon. And I mean, no. and I mean that everybody's worried about doing the one upper spots. I got to do this high spot and run 50 miles an hour and do 50 things. And then the partner's got to do one above me. Then I got to do another one to top his, and he's got to do another one to top my spot. Instead of hitting that rope one time and using it as a weapon and coming off that rope hard and fast, because yeah. the rope slingshots you and give it that one big massive tackle. Boom. You know? Yeah. And, and mm-hmm. using it to your advantage like that. And I think that's another thing that's a difference in, in the guys from our era and a lot of, you know, what's going on today. Well, and I agree. I, you know, but I, and I think that all comes down to that, you know, the, that understanding. We were taught, um, you know, uh, very uh, definitely taught that. You know, it was it was all about the intent. That was what we were trying to get over. You know, the the, the reasoning behind it. It was it was kind of it was never spoken about, but it was always taught to you that way, and you kind of understood it. That you, you know, you were everybody. You know, that's the big big mistake too is that everybody thought that thinks that oh, in just the last ten years or fifteen years or whatever that since Vince came out that, Oh, everybody knew it was fake. I'm t- man, I was 12 years old in 1976. And, uh, I was, I told my family, I wanted to be a professional wrestler and, and listen, I love them dearly, but none of them are men's candidates. I mean, you know, and, and not one of them, had, <laughs> not one of them had ever been a wrestler, you know, but yeah. they all are every one of them. Every one of them all said, both on my dad's side, my mom's side, hey, why do you want to do that? That's fake. Why do you want to do that? Oh, it's my like, dad told me, he goes, my yeah. God, you're a smacked ass. That's what my dad told me when I told him. Yeah. You know, but we were, it was so brought into us, even, you know, even when you were training that you were selling the belief that you were out there really competing. And even from the standpoint of, well, I'm going to hit the ropes. Well, well, you know, the reason I would hit the ropes is to gain the physical advantage to knock my opponent to the mat, to, you know, use the ropes, like you said, very aptly as a weapon. Um, and and the, the training now, um, and not just not saying anything against the, the guys, the young guys, but they're being trained now to make the audience believe more of what they do and less in why they did it when really the audience wants to believe in why they did it because they're never going to really believe in what they do. Speaking of training, now that we're on the subject, 
Why don't you tell the people, because we have a lot of listeners in the UK coming on board. Why don't you uh-huh. tell them what you got going on over in the UK? Because I know you got a great wrestling camp and a wrestling school over in the UK. And which I love, what I love about the UK, because Al, Al and I have done a lot of stuff in the UK together, a lot of uh, yeah. Comic-Cons and stuff with Showmasters and stuff like that, is that what a great old-school mentality the UK is. Oh, yeah. And uh, they're still back 15 years ago as far as wrestling knowledge and the way they go about wrestling styles. Tell, tell everybody the name of your school and uh, and everything else over in the UK and what your philosophy is. Um, well, I've got uh, uh, aptly named <laughs> Al Snow's Wrestling Academy. Um, and I've got uh, one in Cheshire, one in the Midlands, and one in Sussex now, and then the main one in London. And, um, you know, I, the, the approach I take with the wrestling academies is that it's no different than if you wanted to go to college. Um, you know, you wanted to go, um, you know, for accounting or, you know, to be a doctor and you pay your tuition and, um, you know, you, you're like, well, Hey, that's, you know, I'm ready to go. What, who's my professor? And, oh, he, he's really good. He's got a lot of experience, you know, or he's, he's really good. He was the top of his class. Okay. Well, where's he worked? What's, you know, what's he done? Well, he, he's not really worked anywhere except for us. And, you know, um, you're, so you're telling me that this guy doesn't have any real experience. And so as a result, he has no real knowledge, you know. And so the guys that I uh, get to be trainers, I, I want to make sure that they have experience, actual experience in professional wrestling, making a living in professional wrestling. Because I don't need to tell you, Joe, I mean, that's the only way you really understand what you need to do and why you need to do it um, is by getting that experience of having to try to, you know, do what you do to pay your bills. And, you know, that's that way they can teach the students based on that experience uh, the right things and, and, and teach them where they made their mistakes and where they missed their opportunities. Um, you know, and a, that gives the students a better chance to take advantage of any opportunities that may come up for them because they learn from the, you know, the trainer's experience. Um, and it takes a little longer to train that way, and you know, but I believe that it's a better way to train and it, it allows the students a better opportunity to stand out and then um, any opportunities they get, they can really capitalize on and take advantage of and, and and live their dreams that way. I'm really, I'm, I'm fascinated by the, uh, the, the thought behind that, the philosophy behind that. How, when you, when you talk about having a guy that's been in the business, yeah. I, I guess what is, what are your, you mentioned making a living off of it, but do you have set requirements? Do you have set like how many years or to what kind of level in your mind, they have made it in the business that would justify them to be good enough to be a, a coach. Well, I, uh, um, a guy like uh, he's a he's a uh, been a veteran over in England, uh, Doug Williams. Okay. Um, Doug Williams has been you know wrestling probably twenty plus years for a living. Not you know not and not to say that doing something else. Uh, is wrong. There's anything wrong with that? There's not. It just um, you have a different mindset about what you do in the ring, why you do it in the ring, because your whole philosophy 
is all about uh, what's going to motivate an audience to pay to see you and to pay to see you in greater numbers because the more people you get to pay to see you and you be the reason why they're paying to see the show, it allows you to better feed your family and keep a roof over your head where if you work a regular job Monday through Friday and you only wrestle on the weekends, which is what is happening in wrestling, is that a lot of the younger talent these days are getting that experience of working a regular job, which again, please, I'm not knocking anybody who does that. I mean, that's good for them. But, um, but you're, you're not reliant on how many people show up in the building to how well you're going to be able to pay your bills. So your mindset's different. You're now more concerned about, you know, having just a, a quote-unquote good match uh, as opposed to having a match that's going to attract more of an audience. Yeah, I, I agree with that. There's, there's no substitute in our business for experience. And, and yeah. as a matter of fact, even the people that do work the 9-to-5 job and they wrestle on the weekends, like you said, there's nothing wrong with that. And that person that works 9-to-5, that's why he's got a boss. And the boss mm -hmm. is the boss because of his experience. So Correct. in any business you do, the most experienced guy should be the guy that's on top wrestling and, and will learn faster. Well, Barry Darso and I were talking the one day. We had Barry Darso uh, smash a demolition on the podcast about, what, Joe, about a month ago? Yeah, we, we, when we were up in Minnesota. We yeah, were up in Minnesota well, yep. for the Super Bowl. And uh, mm -hmm. you know, we were talking. I said, Barry, how many matches do you think we've had? So he figured it out on the calculator. We've had between five and 6,000 matches. Yeah, I believe it. And yeah. so when you look at that, you go, holy crap, and I lived through it. <laughs> you know, yeah. But it's that experience that you just say, man, I've been able to work with – a 150-pound guy, a 350-pound guy, a 450-pound guy, you know, 220-pound guy, all different shapes, sizes, whether you're a fast-paced guy, slow-paced guy, or whatever. And it's yeah. just there's no substitute for knowledge. And, and, and that knowledge of how to make yourself an attraction. You know, that's the real art of, of professional wrestling is, and, and the whole point of the art of professional wrestling is to be able to tell a, a, a physical story in the ring or in, and it be within the construct of a competitive situation that makes an emotional connection so strong that it motivates an audience want to pay to see it again and again and again. You know, it's not, you know, it, it's, uh, um, um, it's not just, oh, well, I'm going to just have a really great match. It's the match isn't... It, can be considered great, but if it doesn't sell tickets, well, it wasn't that good, you know. Where if it's a, it was an okay match, but you know, as far as we're concerned, critically looking at it, but it motivated a hundred more people to show up next month to watch the show. Well, then that was an incredible match. It was fantastic. It was amazing, you know. And that that mindset, you only get through that experience. I mean, that and that's what's kind of. It's kind of been lost a little bit, I think, um, in professional wrestling is that, you know, the, the rest that I, I've said it and, I, and you'll understand what I mean, Joe, when I when I say this, um, you know, WrestleMania three, I, I think that's where it kind of changed in that um, uh, Dave Meltzer, who's a, a you know, wrestling critic, 
he had proclaimed that, you know, Savage and Steamboat had the best match at WrestleMania 3. And I'm like, well, that's fine. I mean, he's entitled to his opinion, and there's nothing wrong with that. But as far as from a wrestler's standpoint, Andre and Hogan had the best match at WrestleMania 3 because 93,000 people paid to see Andre and Hogan. Butts and seats. It's all about butts and seats. And, And that's kind of been lost. You know, and that's the wrestlers now will show up and you'll, you know, you, you ask them, Hey, you know, what are you here for? And they'll be like, I want to have the best match on the show. And what they mean is they want to have the Savage Steamboat match. Well, that's great. I mean, you know, and there's nothing, again, there's nothing wrong with the Savage Steamboat match. It was a, it was a really good match, but you want, you should be the one wanting to have the Hogan Andre match, you know? the one that motivates the most people. And that's what everybody used to in the wrestling business. Try to, I'm sure you can agree. You, you probably, how long was it? How long were you in the business and you would go out and you'd work every night, like you said, 300, 300 nights a year. And you'd walk back through the curtain. How many people asked you how good your match was? You oh know? yeah. Every night, everybody, they would, how good your match? They would, they would, more concerned though with how many people were out in the building. Exactly, know? exactly. And, and you know, here here's a difference now. Now that everything is all owned by pretty much one company, right? Yeah, yeah. you're under contract. You're under guaranteed contract. Back then, the guys that were your after intermission matches, okay, yeah, were mm-hmm. kind of like your semi main event, your semi semi main event, and then your main event, right? You yeah. usually had three matches after intermission. Those are the guys that were pretty much resp- not listen. The whole card is responsible for bringing people in to an extent, but your last few matches and especially your main event matches, the ones that are putting the butts in the seats. Yep. You want them to be able to say, okay, I'm going to get a hundred more people next time because you want it to sell out because everybody on the card makes more money and they get more money for their families. That was the difference in the business is that we were so even though we all came from different genres and different areas of the country, we were all family oriented when we worked together. And I try to tell people, man, the business is a giant family. It's a give and take because you want to be the guy that's working that last match because you're going to get the bigger payday and the guys underneath you are going to get the bigger payday. And that's why the guys underneath you ask you, hey, man, how's your match? Because they want you to do well, too. If you're the top dog in the company, they want to see you do better because if you do better, they get more money. Yeah, and at the same time, they're wanting to compete against you too. Exactly, to, man. You know, they're wanting to be that. Like you said, they want to be the top dog. They want to be the main event match. They want to be the thing that sell that sold the tickets that night. You know, um, you know, it's, it, it's a it's a very competitive. But at the same time, as much as it is a com- competition, you're all working together for the same goal. You know. You're just wanting to be that thing more so than anybody else that night. You know, it's, yeah. a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a really unusual, but, uh, you know, I love the business. I mean, it just, I, I've told people I've been doing it for 36 years and I've been, I've been blessed and, and uh, so thankful that I've got to do what I love to do for as long as I've got to do it. You know, it's just been awesome well that's why anybody listening out there man if you're interested in being a pro wrestler whether here in the u.s and you got family in the uk or you're in the uk al school 
Al Snow, school of professional wrestling, man, go to it. That's why I've talked to Al Joe about, I told Al, I said, and I've been beating his ear with it. I want to come over there and do a seminar for your school. Yeah. And I'm going yeah, to go sometime and do it, man, because yeah, I love doing do that. Cool. I, I'm a teacher at heart. And Joe and I have talked about this. I'm a teacher at heart. I love doing that. And yeah. Coached all my life, coached my kids. You know, my kids did okay in the sports right. world, the coaching, you know. So, and, and I love going over there and teaching new talent, and, you know, because everybody, right. if they really truly want to learn, they want to be critiqued and they want to know how to do it better. You yeah. know, and that's and your experience thing. is invaluable. I mean, you have you have such so much experience and so much you know knowledge from from uh, your time in in, in wrestling, and, and I mean it, it's you know there aren't too many guys that have that same amount of experience and that and then that that understanding from that experience that you could pass on. I mean, it's it's invaluable. It really uh, is. Al, how has the uh, how has the internet changed the business in your eyes with YouTube, with social media? How uh, you see guys come in? How how different is it compared to fifteen twenty years ago? Um, I think it's I think it's changed it for the better. Um, and the reason I say that is because it now guys have tools to market themselves if they know how to use it correctly. I should say that mm-hmm. if they know how to use it correctly. Um, they now have tools that we didn't have, you know, to, uh, cr- to market themselves and, and create quote unquote a brand, you know, to make themselves of value. Um, you know, like we were just discussing about how everybody works together in wrestling like a family and, but yet you're still competitive. Um, you know, you serve two purposes in wrestling. You are either the thing that sells tickets or you're one of the things that helps sell tickets. There's no third option. And to have the internet now, uh, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, you have a tool that uh, you can market yourself and make yourself an attraction to where your name on a piece of advertising has has value, has has some kind of draw to it because, you know, you've you've uh, made people aware of who you are and what you're about and and intrigued them to the point to where they may pay to see you. Um, where for us, when we broke in, you know, we, we had to rely, you know, we were totally reliant on, you know, the just the wrestling promotions television and and the uh, um, the, sh- the live events that we wrestled on. And then if we got lucky, um, you know, and the, the professional, the after magazines, we call them the after mags, Bill After, uh, Pro Wrestling Illustrated, The Wrestler, all those, all those magazines started covering you and taking pictures of you and putting them on the magazine. Then you started getting known on a national and even international level that today you can do it sitting in your house, you know, um, but the downside to all of that is, is that the young guys uh, today, um, they use the internet, but they use it in the wrong way. They, they, uh, they, they don't. Um, how can I say this? They don't sell the right things. Uh, for instance, like, you know, um, I always tell guys this story when I was when I was really getting over with the head, um, you know. I 
after shows, I'd go to dinner. It'd be just me and the head going to dinner. I'd walk in. <laughs> I remember seeing that. It was awesome. So yeah, you I'd wait, you would sit. Yeah, I'd walk in, stand there waiting for a table with the you head. You got a table for one and a tenth. I'd get a table for I'd get a table and set set head across the table and then sit there and talk to them and, <laughs> and, and buy buy two buy dinner for both of us and argue about who's going to pay the check and yeah. you know he's it's on him <laughs> head get out your wallet yeah I love it <laughs> yeah and uh, I'd get kicked out of restaurants you know and stuff and. You know, they'd be like, you're, you're making, you know, our customers uncomfortable. Like, well, they're making us uncomfortable. So, you know, that's only fair. So, <laughs> Give me my food to go. Yeah. And they would, I'd, you know, and it was tough, you know, but, <laughs> but like if I had Facebook back then, if I had Twitter, well, I would still be on social media as that person. You know what I mean? And, and I tell guys today, you should, if you're not comfortable doing that for your friends and family, then make a separate social media page for your friends and family so that you can just be who you really are for your friends and family. But then make a public one that you're now, you know, that guy that they paid to see in the ring. At no point in time should they ever not get the guy they paid to see. Oh, bro, you know? I can't even imagine if social media were around when Hawk and I were younger. Are you kidding? Oh, yeah. Oh, my Lord. We did some of the most ridiculous videos to promote ourselves in Japan and everywhere else the way it was. Eating dead deer and everything else. (laughs) Hawk ate 18 eggs in a shell one time on live camera. I said, what? You're going to crap like a dachshund for about a week, man. (laughs) 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 And he did. It was bright yellow poo. Oh, my God. Joe, Al reminds me a lot of Hawk and myself. You know, Hawk and I, we had uh, two or three gyms, and then we had Zubas. Al is an entrepreneur. He's like a jack of all trades. He's got his hands in a little bit of everything. And uh, one of the really great things he's got, he started, and I love the saying on these T-shirts, is Collar and Elbow. Yeah. Al, tell everybody about those Collar and Elbow. I see those everywhere now. Yeah, you're good, good. We're, I'm trying, trying to build a brand, you know. I, uh, we just, you know, I wanted to have, you know, like Tap Out is for MMA and, and uh, Under Armour kind of like it is for football and Nike kind of is for basketball and running. I wanted, kind of wanted to create something you know, a brand for wrestling, you know, and, uh, you know, we, you know, came up with the idea of collar and elbow, you know, because, and I mean, you know, not just professional wrestling, but wrestling, whether it's catch wrestling or, you know, freestyle or, um, uh, even MMA, you, you know, you, you, every one of them have a type of collar and elbow lockup that you have to do at the start. And uh, it's a universal term, and if you're a wrestling fan, you get it. And we try to do designs and stuff that are cool and unique. And you know, if if you're not a wrestling fan, you know, you you just like the design. But if you're a wrestling fan and you see somebody wearing it, and oh yeah, that's collar. I get it, collar noble, man. That's cool, you know. Um, but you know, it's it's uh, trying to come up with something that kind of represents and shows, you know. Uh, the love for for wrestling in general, you know, and, and uh, um, do it in a way that, you know, if you you wear it out, you don't have to have some dink uh, coming up to you and go, oh, well, you like that stuff. That stuff's fake. Well, congratulations, Sherlock. You've 
finally put the clues together and figured that out. So. <laughs> thank you, thank you for telling me. I would never have understood that if you hadn't come along and, and let me know. Um, you know, but then you can wear it. You can wear it anywhere you want, and you know, um, and it looks cool. And we try to get really high quality uh, material for the shirts. You know, the the t-shirts themselves. So they're real soft and real comfortable. So I will admit I, they are comfortable as heck t-shirts, man. I'm going to be a mooch and ask for you to send me one, but I, I do oh, want to know to. where I do want to know. Uh, let the listeners know where they could go buy them. Uh, they can go to collarandelbowbrand.com. Collarandelbowbrand.com. We just had the the new spring designs out, and uh, you know, and by all means, Joe, you just. Give me your address, and we'll send you some. Perfect. Oh, yeah, man. That was awesome. <laughs> yeah. You know, back to what we were yeah, – yeah, that's – and everything on there, too. You have so much on that on that site as well and uh, plenty of stuff to uh, – plenty of ways to find it. You know, we're, we're talking about social media mm-hmm. with, with this. You know, I, I saw a picture over uh, – I think it was earlier this week. It was either Sunday or Monday. You talk about the way guys are getting themselves over, and – I think, you know, so many young wrestlers, I, you know, I, I follow some of the indie guys, especially now doing this with Joe and yeah. seeing where he is every weekend. I look up where he is. I look at some of the guys that he's there with to kind of get an idea of some of the up and comers. So many of these guys, as you know, Joe, you've, you've mentioned it. They, they think it's a spot fest. They think that the bigger the bump they take, the, the quicker that, you know, Vince is going to give them a call and offer them a contract. I right. saw some guy this weekend, uh, you know, a picture of a guy being thrown off a, a balcony into yeah. about six different chairs that were set up. And it's like, that's, that's not going to get you a phone call. That's, you know, that, that's going to end yeah. your career at 23. Yeah. Yeah. It's because they're, again, they're, you know, even if, even if they did, uh, it, it got, if it got noticed, it's getting noticed for the wrong reason. You know, it's, uh, it's not. It's not good. Yeah, I don't know what wrestling company I was watching just the other day. I was looking on Facebook, and uh, I don't know if you saw it. Al, there's mm. a guy standing on the top of a cage. Yes, and yes. He goes yes. to do a backflip and land on a table, but he mm-hmm. misses a table like by four feet. Landed yeah. on the concrete. There was wow. no mats on his back. He had to have broken every rib, his back, yeah. everything, man. It's just he did a backflip. He did a backflip. Yeah, he did a backflip, <laughs> and he didn't yeah. hit nothing. <laughs> yeah. He just hit the floor, and I'm going, yeah. what? And he's like 35 feet up in the air. It's like there was a like, young guy that uh, at a high school gym that I saw a video on Facebook. This kid had another guy on a table. He, you know, the the beams on the wall of the gym of the high school gym. Oh, sure. He was above. Uh, on one of those beams, I don't know how he got up there, but he got on one of those beams above the basketball uh, backboard. You, he was above it. So, what's that, 15, 20 feet up in the air? Yeah. And, uh, he jumped off like he, to drop an elbow on this guy on the table, completely overshot the guy and the table, and just hit the floor. <laughs> and just, Jeez. I was like, oh, my God. Uh, you know, but, Al, Al, speaking of social media, um, one of the things that uh, my wife Kim and I have gotten into is this, with this company called Prove It, P-R-U-V-I-T-T. And I was talking to your wife, Jessica, about it. It's a yeah. ketone replacement drink, man. You drink one drink, and you're putting ketosis within an hour. It's it's phenomenal. Oh, wow. It's really wow. good. And then she yeah. was telling me that you just signed up and are, are going to partner up with a new vitamin company. What's that one all about? Uh, 
new supplement company uh, based out of England uh, called uh, Extreme Fitness, the XF brand. Um, we're carrying, uh, we make our own uh, protein, um, whey protein. Uh, we also have a, a casein prote protein that we uh, made for, you know, at night for recovery and uh, um, pre-workout and a intra-workout and uh, aminos. And it's all uh, high-end, um, real high-quality um, supplements. Um, but the biggest thing is is that it tastes amazing. Like, you know, it, it, no matter how much it does for you and how, how good it tastes, if uh, or I mean how, how, how well it actually gives you results, if it don't taste good, you're probably not going to. No, and usually if it tastes good, it's crap. Oh, yeah. And it, yeah, <laughs> but this very, very seldom you find something that tastes good. That that is really works. That's great, you know. Yeah, and it actually it actually really does. I mean, it really it tastes amazing, and it it actually works. I mean, I, I they sent me the uh, the pre workout, and uh, I'll make sure I get some of it to you. Um, but it's got like three hundred milligrams of caffeine, and I thought, oh my, you know, because I'm real sensitive to the the stimulant workout pre workouts. Yeah, and I and. Uh, so I kind of try to avoid them, and I thought, well, I got to try it. Shoot, you know, I'm selling it, so I got to try it. And uh, it was great. It kicked in in about ten minutes, and uh, I went to the gym. Uh, normally, I'd be all jittery and shaky while I'm working out. I'd get that that queasy feeling in my stomach where it just kind of sits there. Felt great. Uh, I thought, well, here we go. After I get done working out, I'm probably going to hit the wall. No, never did. I uh, just came down. It was fine. I mean, it was, it was, uh, I really like, and it tasted good too. It didn't have that uh, um, salty or sour taste to it. Are you going to um, be, do, are they going to be using it to help self promote it and stuff? Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, like I told you, I'll get you, get you some. Hey, you guys, you, you should talk them into, you know, to help promote you guys to make it LOD competitor pack multivitamin little pack. Oh yeah, <laughs> I'm serious, bro. Over the UK, yeah, yeah. Joe's laughing here. He don't understand. In the UK, yeah. bro, the American wrestlers are freaking like gods over there. The yeah. UK is awesome. I mean, you know, there's so much crap that's going on in the USA. Although I love the USA, don't get me wrong. But yeah. you know, but but the UK is still like so. It's still like I call it a little bit of a virgin territory yet. It hasn't been. Abused to the extent, are a lot? Are there a lot of wrestling companies? Yes, but it hasn't been because nobody has all the TV stations and all the outlets that we have in the U.S. It hasn't been yeah. totally prostituted out, you know. Yeah, and they're they're going through a little bit of a renaissance right now, you know, over there in uh, um, England. I mean, there a lot of companies are doing really, really well, uh, drawing really good audiences, um, you know. And uh, are doing so on a regular basis because of the, you know, uh, uh, they're doing such a great job uh, with the business. You know, it's 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 and and it's been it's a little easier over there because you know, it, it's not WWE's backyard. You know, they got to yeah. go, they got to fly across the the pond to get there. Where, you know, um, so it kind of gives an opportunity. Um, that exists over there because the, the, the market's a little more open. Uh, and it could be here too. I think you would agree, Joe, it, it could be here too. If, if you could kind of get the, the wrestlers to focus on what we've talked about, you know, about 
you know, really focusing on trying to fill that building up, um, you know, as opposed to just getting a, a critical acclaim, you know, somebody saying, oh, that was a really good match. Yeah, you know, to- I think uh, here in the U.S., I've noticed a lot, Al, I don't think you've noticed it too, the indies are growing. Mm-hmm. The indies are growing. They're getting bigger. The crowds are getting bigger. Some of the places you go, like if you go wrestle for big time wrestling, or now look at Ring of Honor. They're all going yeah. into bigger buildings now. And now the Ring of Honor is not really considered an indie promotion anymore. It's considered one of the smaller promotions per se. Yeah. But they're all yeah. going into the bigger buildings. They're getting better talent. And the guys are, it was funny. A lot of them are going back to old school roots. I hate to yeah. say, it, you know, and I, I hate to say it. And I'm proud to say it. You know, they're going yeah. back to what makes sense a little yeah. more, and that's the way the UK is. That's what that's what the UK is always proud. Of. I'll never forget the first time I went over there with our good friend, uh, the British Bulldog. You mm-hmm. know, and Davy Boy and I used to travel on the road together and train all the time. I first met he and Dynamite in uh, Japan. Gosh, man, back in 1984, 85, I really date myself. But when Davey, when Dynamite retired and Davey was with the WWF, he and I tried, he and I Warlord traveled together all the time. We worked out together. And yeah. you got to go over there and you got to meet some of the old school wrestlers, go to some of the old school gym. Man, have you ever seen the first gym where Dorian Yates trained at? Oh, yeah. yeah. It is like a hole in the wall. My bathroom was bigger than that gym. I mean, seriously, <laughs> I'm not saying that to laugh, but it was a tiny... Crap hole. But there's Dorian Yates. Mr. Olympia came out of it with with, with intestinal fortitude and hard-nosed training. He made yeah. it to the Olympia, right? And the same yeah. thing goes with the wrestling schools over there. They don't have to be beautiful or pretty. It's how you're training the guys, man. And it, 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 There's just a mentality that goes along in a certain part of the of the country, the certain part of demographics in the, in the world, right? And the UK yeah. has got a real good demographic for that stuff. Yeah, they do. And they've they got a long history of you know, uh, of, of, of it too, you know, and, and like you said, like I've seen some of those, you know, like the gym that Dorian Yates came out of and stuff. You're right. I mean, it was just, it was like a cave, you know, and especially compared to some of the gyms we have over in the United States, but that's changing now. I mean, there's a, there's a gym that was, it's right next door to, uh, my wrestling academy in London. Uh, and it's, it's like, uh, it's amazing. It's called King's Gym, and uh, oh, I've heard of that. You know, yeah. yeah, it's a cool place. I mean, it, if you get the chance to go work out there, I mean, it's he's you know the guy's constantly investing in it and bringing in new equipment, and um, and it's a it's a it's a really cool atmosphere to go work out. Well, bro, if our buddy Steve Linsky can get us me on any comic cons over there, if you know anybody that's got a wrestling academy and wants to bring me over for a seminar, I can get over there and check out King's Gym. <laughs> yeah, I got to get, get over there. That's for sure. I'm definitely going to. Uh, Al, when uh, when you're down in New Orleans for WrestleMania weekend, uh, what uh, what uh, along with doing the autograph signings and everything, what kind of stuff are you looking for if you head out to any shows? Um. Well, you know, I'm just looking to go and have fun. And, you know, I, I still watch wrestling like a fan, you know what I mean? Just like an average fan. I don't, I, I don't know why, but I just, I just still enjoy it. And I still love to watch it. And, um, and I, and I tell guys all the time, all I ask is that when you get in the ring, I don't care what you do or how much you do, or, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of the athleticism and all of that. Just, all I ask is, don't make me, don't ever make me go. Why they, why they do that? I don't understand. What, what's going on? You know, um, 
you know, that's all I ask. You just make it fun for me. Make it to where I'm not questioning or wondering what you're doing or why you're doing it. You know, I just, that's the only thing I ask. Don't confuse me. Um, just have it make sense. And, and then that way it's fun for me. You know, that's what I like. Um, but otherwise, do whatever you want. Do as much as you want. Go, go crazy. Throw a bag of cats on each other. You know? <laughs> um, I'm not one of those guys. Oh, I don't. I hate it when they do such and such, or you know, you should never do this. Well, you can do whatever you want as long as it makes sense. What you're selling, hey, I'm all for it. Do it. I'm cool. It's awesome. Well, we will. Uh, we'll see you down there, and we really appreciate Great. you uh, taking the time and joining us. And I'm looking forward to hearing more about the uh, the supplements because I got to say, I told people, I told friends of mine that are wrestling fans that we were having you on this week, and every single one of them just talked about how jacked you are these days. So, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, Al's got them garden hoses run through them biceps, bro. He's got, he, he's got them. I, he, listen, I trained all my life. All I got was thick. I never got veins ever. You know, <laughs> like Al's, Al's got that. I take see the name Billy Gunn. I said, look at you now. You, I said, Billy, you suck. <laughs> you guys suck. No, but he does look good al thank you very much my friend for coming on the show today we really appreciate it and uh thank and, you guys for and, having me i really 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 appreciate and, it and uh we'll, we'll continue to plug your uh, vitamin company and uh, collar and elbow and uh and the wrestling school as well thank you very much guys i thank- appreciate it. i love i enjoyed it really had a good time thank you al thank you that was a uh, great chat there with Al Snow and Joe. Before we wrap up this week's episode, you had a uh, you had another guest you wanted to bring on. Yeah, man, I thought it was good. Sometimes you know the guys behind the scenes will never get brought on podcast Joe very much, and <clears throat> you know a lot of promoters and a lot of promotions around the country that are looking to book good quality talent. And I'm talking about talent that's going to show up, that's not going to cancel, that are top guys that, to my opinion, all should be Hall of Fame. Uh, is one guy that one of the owners and runs bookprowrestlers.com is Steve Stasiak. Steve, how you doing, buddy? Welcome to Water Rush Podcast. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me on. It's quite an honor to be on with you, and I appreciate the chance to come on and speak to all your listeners. Steve, now I, I, I fell ass backwards into this podcast, getting to work with a WWE Hall of Famer every week and getting to uh, meet and talk to all of his friends. How did you get involved with all of these uh, pro wrestlers? Well, I started, I started my wrestling career in the ring when I was 16 years old. Uh, I started wrestling and setting up rings and sweeping arenas and putting out posters and, and doing anything I could for you know any pro wrestling event that I could get to and when I graduated, I was 18 years old. I went on the road with Leilani Kai, and we started going. And we would live in different areas for six months at a time and work. And we would do we would run wrestling schools. We would help promote the events. We would help. I would do commentary on the TV. I would wrestle on the shows. I would set the rings up. We would help run the school. We would do every thing. There's a lot of jobs that that can go into the wrestling stuff. So so I was doing as much as I could. Um, you know, with any opportunities that I could get. And I was learning the business and meeting a lot of, lot of friends and, you know, contacts and getting, you know, to know a lot of the wrestlers and promoters. And, you know, over time doing that over the course of almost 20 years, you know, I met a lot of different people and I started booking guys. Vader was one of the, the first guys that took me on as his booker. Joe was the, the first guy that took me on and really, really taught me the business. He taught me how it was a detail-orientated business, and he taught me how to tie a lot of things together. And 
he's been one of the biggest influences in my career. He's been great, and, and I've been very fortunate to be around him. And that's uh, as you've as you've gotten to work with more and more of these. I you know the, the what was fun at the beginning comes into becoming a business. How uh, I want to hear a few stories, some fun stories from uh, just how how you've booked some of these guys or what you've booked some of them for. It's amazing. We book guys for everything from birthday parties to wrestling conventions to bachelor parties to. Anywhere you you can have a wrestler, you know, a lot of communities like Joe, for example, we have an event coming up um, where they're creating a Road Warrior car and they're putting Joe's face on it and it's to commemorate the 35th anniversary of the Road Warriors. And we'll go into that community and that town, they'll raise some money for different causes. They're donating to to different charities that, that are all, you know, important to us. Joe does a lot over the course of a year for charity, he doesn't really talk about, but me as his manager, a lot of times I deal with these charities and I deal with these people and we go into these towns and, you know, events like that are very special because, you know, not only are we going in and, you know, we're able to have work, we're able to go in and and do things, uh, you know, for people and communities and kids and, you know, and it's a lot of fun. We meet a lot of great people over the course of the year that, you know, otherwise we wouldn't be exposed to, you know, Joe goes all over the country from California to Ohio to Pennsylvania to Texas. And, you know, throughout the course of the year, we meet a lot of great people. And I mean, there's, there's a lot of stories involved that that can be unique, you know, in the course of traveling from Missouri to California, you know, or driving in, in the snow and one degree weather for six hours. Um, you know, there's all sorts of stuff that you guys never really hear about that these guys go through to get to towns. You know, um, there's delays with airplanes. There, there's problems with weather. There's, you know, a, a lot of stuff. And sometimes the guys will have to jump in a car and go seven hours instead of, you know, get on a flight, you know, if there's not one available. Because they go into a lot of smaller towns, too, where there's not major airports. So there's a lot of things that, that are involved with, with getting them there and, and, you know, doing the events. Steve, we have a lot of uh, smaller indie promotions, a lot of bigger indie promotions, companies like, you know, ROH and Big Time Wrestling and everything else. How can guys or how can promoters around the country or people that are putting on a simple birthday party or a bachelor party or a bachelorette party or whatever they're putting on, how can they get a hold of you to book legends like myself and other wrestlers to come, uh, you know, be, be make an appearance at their, at their event? Sure. Well, we try to make it very easy. The, the easiest way is to go to bookprowrestlers.com, and it has all the information on there for, for each different talent available. They can go on there and take a look, and then they can contact us directly. I make my phone number very public, my email, so that so that we can be in touch. They can always visit us at bookprowrestlers.com, or they can give me a call at 813-953-8384. That's our office, and we're open 24 hours a day. We do a lot of business overseas as well. So those guys are in different time zones. So, so the phones are always available. The emails are always responded to quickly. And anybody that would like to get in touch to book a wrestler, they can just go to bookprowrestlers.com and they'll find everything they need.
Well, you know, speaking of going overseas, that's one of the things, uh, Steve, this show goes over. It goes over in the U.K., goes over in the Germany, goes all, all over the place. So anybody over there in the U.K. or Germany or whether you're in Kuwait or Qatar or even in Japan or China, if you're listening to this, man, bookprocessors.com, man, is the way to go. to book. Listen, this business is all about credibility, right? And, Steve, I think Absolutely. with yourself and, of course, with the great Leilani Kai, who is one of the great female wrestlers ever of all time, you know, it's got to be a credibility issue. And guys are very picky in the wrestling business, even though who they let manage them and who they go do appearances for. You know, so that, I think, is the thing that people out there that are trying to book somebody need to realize, listen, not just some Johnny come lately is not going to go to book paralysis to get themselves booked. Because we know that we trust that you guys are going to get us there. Our plane flight's going to be there. Our money's going to be there when we land and everything else. And you're going to get your payday. And it's a win-win situation for everybody, including, most of all, a win-win for the fan who's paying for that autograph. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's what it's all about, satisfying the, those people you know, in each town. And, 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 and it's an honor to, to, to be trusted with that kind of opportunity. I take a lot of pride in and being able to know that Animal is in these towns and these people are getting to, to make lifetime moments with him and take pictures, it, you know, it's great. It, it's, it, it's really something amazing to be involved with. Well, uh, Steve, we, uh, we appreciate you jumping on with us. You will be in New Orleans for WrestleMania, correct? Yes, I, I, I will be there. Tadevic and Onion will be there. A lot of our team will be there. And, uh, you know, we look forward to seeing everybody there, and I hope to meet you there as well. Well, we, uh, we appreciate the time. We'll see you down there. Steve, thanks Thank very, you much, very much, everybody. Bookforwrestlers.com. That's uh, another. There you go. Steve Stasiak with us on the, uh, on the podcast as well. Wrapping up another week. And you mentioned, you know, we, we've mentioned all of the social media today. I forgot to mention at the start of the show, you finally hit 10,000 followers on Twitter. Congratulations to See? you. Now let's get to 20,000. There you go, man. Now, now on our way to 20. And now let's get to 20. And, that, and that's somebody who was Twitter ignorant, by the way, just so the fans out there knew. I didn't even do anything with Twitter until you took it over two or three months ago. So, <laughs> so yeah. Trust me, I didn't take it over. You still have full access to it, and you yeah, get to but do I your, just don't uh, look your at, stuff. I tweet once in a while. Now You've that only I, yelled at me twice for things that, that I've I done. Now that I know how to put something <laughs> on there kind of kind of correctly, but I put the hashtag thing on there. Still work, man, we still yeah. got to work at still your hashtags. Still got to work on that. Yeah. Man. But, hey, man, a lot of it is just making a one-liner comment about what's going on or if I really like something that somebody did, you know. But, hey, it's a great way to reach out and reach the people and reach the fans. And, uh, you know, hey, I'm glad we reached the 10,000 follower mark. Man. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, as, as we said, now we're, now we're shooting for 20,000. We'll get greedy and we'll try to get to and that next uh, 10,000. With the millions of wrestling yep. fans out there, once we go national and do all these things, we should hit millions of listeners in no time flat. We got, we got stuff in the works. We oh, yeah. got, uh, we of, got stuff in the great... works, and we're going to start running. I, I think we're, what we're going to do is we're going to have a, uh, a bit of a contest coming up here in a uh, – maybe, maybe we'll do it by next week once I get the T-shirts in – and I physically have the T-shirts because we need to get, we need to start hitting milestones on the other on the podcast Twitter page. That's at What a Rush Pod. So go ahead and follow that as well if you haven't already done so. Along with following RW Animal on Twitter, you can follow me at Joe Roderick and everything on Facebook. Uh, we tell you to go to the Facebook page, the 
Water Rush podcast with Road Warrior Animal Joe Laurinaitis. We'll be doing some Facebook lives there now that now that Joe and I could both do Facebook lives and I don't have to drive an hour to his house to do so. Yeah, they, we are going to do uh, we're going to do those too. So hey, all my Facebook fans, you know, my Joseph Laurinaitis yep. uh, Road Warrior Animal Facebook page, and like you said, at RW Animal, go to the Water Rush Pod. Yeah, we Facebook, uh, man. Whoa, there we go. Sorry about that. Uh, yeah. As we wrap up here, our, our equipment starts to go down on us. But nonetheless, we've already uh, entertained you, hopefully, for the last uh, 90 minutes to two hours, however long this one ends up going. And we appreciate you all sticking with us. Uh, should be another fun show tomorrow. If you haven't, go back and check out the archives as well, all of the episodes that we have done as the, uh, we're wrapping up episode number 15 of the Water Rush podcast. And Joe, I'll let you take it home. Hey, man, it's been another episode of the Water Rush Podcast. Thank you, Steve Stasiak of BookProcess.com and my good friend Al Snow, plus Head. Head didn't say much. Head didn't say much. He was kind of quiet, but it was great having everybody on the show, and, and it was a great episode, Joe. Thanks a lot.